Hey guys. Not much. How are you? I know you too. <laughs> okay, so for those of you who don't know, Sean and Caitlin and their family are gone. They're on vacation this week um, in Colorado and Utah, I believe. And so Sean asked me to preach tonight, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, now, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing, okay? I had a sermon. It was all planned out. I had all the notes. I had all the, the illustration. It was great. <laughs> no, I did not forget it. God changed it yesterday morning. So yesterday morning, I was spending my time with Jesus, and I was reading um, a devotional, and then God, like, just completely wrecked my plans for tonight. Um, and he downloaded a whole new message for tonight. Um, yeah, just yesterday morning. So I'm actually super excited and passionate about this one. Um, I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants, has some things that he wants to say to some of you guys tonight. I believe all of you. You just got to tune in and listen. Um, but this message tonight is for those in the room that want more. You want more of God. You're not content with the level, with the, the depth that you've gone with God. You want to go further. You want to go further than you have before. And I pray that for those of you in here who maybe are not there yet, that's okay. I pray that as I speak, that the Holy Spirit would stir in you a hunger and a desire to want to want more, because he can do that. So, uh, to start, we're actually going to read a story in the Bible, but I'm going to give a little backstory before I, we start reading the scripture. So who in here knows uh, Abraham from the Bible? I mean, not like personally, but you know, like you know who he is. Okay, so Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they, God, they followed God, they were faithful to God, they obeyed God, and God uh, gave them a promise, and he said, Abraham, you're gonna be the father of many nations. All the nations on the earth will be blessed through you. Your descendants will be more in number than the stars in the sky and the sand in the sea. But here's the thing, they were like 90 and they had no children. <laughs> and so God gave them that promise though. And so there was years and years and decades that went by um, where they kept believing and waiting and praying. And finally, finally, God gave them the promised son, Isaac. And that's where we're going to start. We're going to pick up in Genesis 22. No, sorry, guys. I guess you have it up. Um, okay, this story is super insane. I'm sure, sure, some, sure some of you have heard it before. Um, but it's really, really crazy. So lean in, listen, use your imagination to kind of picture the people um, and what's happening. So, okay, verse one, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Okay, pause. So God gave a blessing, a promise to Abraham and Sarah. And then a few years later, he's like, oh, hey, remember that blessing I gave you? I need you to go I'm on a mountain and kill him. <laughs> it's like, what? That doesn't quite make much sense. 
what is God doing? But the story does not end there. You have to keep reading. We're going to pick up, though, on verse uh, 9. So when they reached the place that God told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. Okay, this had to have been the most intense moment of their lives. Like seriously, like he's laying on the altar and his dad like has a knife. Like what is going on? It's so intense. And I just imagine what is the conversation that happened when they came back home to Sarah? And so I found a reel on Instagram and we have to watch it. So play it. father's unbonding trip oh it was good very bonding won't you say pop great bonding it was actually so bonding that my hands were practically bound together my feet too okay anything interesting happened not really we went for a hike up the mountain oh that's nice built an altar an angel had to save my life an angel okay son if you got something to say just say it dad almost assassinated me you what god told me to sacrifice abraham you told me that you were taking our baby for a father-son trip. And now I'm hearing that you almost sacrificed him to God? Who does that? And most importantly, why am I not surprised? The boy being born is a miracle in itself. I had to trust God. Can you please pass me the lamb? Oh, sure, here you go, hon. Thanks, baby. Or would you like me to pass Isaac instead? Uh, come now because since he's looking like a lamb to you, Okay, literally, guys, I, was, I saw that like months ago, and I was reading the scripture yesterday, and I had to stop reading for like a minute because I was only thinking of that, and I was just laughing out loud. But Okay, so we're on verse, what verse are we on, guys? Um, oh, he's about to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, verse 10. He reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Okay, there is like so much you can get from this story. Like I'm sure you could get dozens of sermons from this one Bible story. But the one thing that I want to highlight to everyone tonight is the fact that on the surface, at first, it might seem like God was being mean and unfair by giving a blessing to Abraham and then a few years later telling him to give it up. But if we zoom out, I, I want to explain to you guys how it was actually the mercy of God that led Abraham up that mountain. I'm gonna tell you why, okay? It was the good, it was literally the goodness of God that led Abraham up that mountain. Abraham, or sorry, God knew that Abraham loved Isaac, obviously, right? Like Abraham had waited so, so long, and finally he got Isaac. And he would do anything for him, as a good father should. But God knew the danger in, in Abraham's heart if Isaac started to get elevated and started to challenge 
the number one place as king of Abraham's heart and instead of God being king of his heart, he knew that that would literally destroy Abraham. Because if we build our life, just like we were singing the song, if we build our life on anything other than God, eventually it is going to fail us. Eventually it's going to fail us. And if our life is built on that, that means we are going to fall apart. Like our life is going to fall apart when that thing fails. And so it was God's goodness that led Abraham up that mountain because as Abraham went up that mountain, he was solidifying in his heart that God was the number one place in his heart. That Abraham would trust God no matter what, even if he had to do a miracle. Like, he would trust God. He would obey God. God was number one. In Matthew 7, 24 through 27, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them in, this is Jesus talking, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We have to build our lives on God, on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. We can't build it on anything else, not a human relationship or our talents or a dream, even, even a God-given thing. Because remember, God gave Isaac to Abraham. It was a promise. But if we build our life and put our hope and our purpose and our identity in a blessing or a promise of God instead of God, then eventually that's gonna fail, that's gonna crack, and we are going to fall apart. We have to build our life on God. Okay, I'm gonna share a story, a personal story with you guys, story time. Um, <clears throat> so I'm actually, I'm going to open up more than I ever have um, before, yeah, uh, than like in previous sermons. Uh, but I believe that there's a lot of power in our testimonies, and so that's why I'm sharing this. So, when I was 14 years old, um, I got super passionate about two things, like felt like strong calling of God um, in both the uh, worship ministry and then in wanting to get married and start a godly family. Like those were the two big things in my life um, at 14 years old and like it just like started getting stronger, getting more excited, more passionate as the years went by. Um, and like I was gonna wait and like didn't wanna just date around. Like I wanted, I was going, I wanted to marry a godly man because I wanted to start a godly family. And so uh, when I was 19, I got in my first dating relationship and we dated for almost a year. Uh, and I personally got to the point where, like, in my heart, like, emotionally, it's like I was basically married already. Because, like, in my heart, in my mind, I had already decided I'm going to marry this person, even though 
We weren't engaged or anything. We were just dating. And so we even, like, talked about, like, practical things like finances and, like, how that would work out and everything like that. Um, but long story short, uh, we broke up. <laughs> and it was nothing, like, nothing bad happened on his side, my side. He's a great guy. Um, it just wasn't the right fit. And I'm going to take just a little side note, make a side note here. I'm going to talk about dating for just a second, okay, guys? Um, this might be new to some of you to hear this, but just because someone's a Christian doesn't mean you should marry them. Whoa, really? Yeah. So obviously, you know, I think marriage is a pretty big decision. Um, I think, personally, it's the second biggest decision in your life after giving your life to God um, because it's the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with and you're the person you're going to be the closest with, you're going to have a family with. Like, it's a pretty big deal. Um, but the thing is, just because someone's a Christian doesn't mean you should marry them. And let me explain why. God creates each person with different purposes, okay? So God creates one person and puts a call on their life to go to Russia and be a missionary, okay? And then there's another person, and he calls them to serve in the local church in the town where they were born, um, to be a pastor there, whatever, okay? So these two people, they're both Christians, right? But that doesn't mean that they should get married because they both have different callings. God made them with different purposes that it would be hard for them to run next to each other. So going back to the story. Oh, no, wait. One more thing. Um, on the subject of dating, I... I know it's a big topic in the teenage, teenage world, for sure. And I just want all the girls in here to know that I would absolutely love to talk with any of you. Um, if you wanted just someone to talk to, if you want some godly advice for how to walk through singleness, how to walk through dating in a godly way, I would love to share some of the godly wisdom that I've learned over my 24 years of life. Um, Okay, that's my, that's my side note. Oh, the boys can go to the guy leaders. <laughs> um, anyways, anyways. Uh, so back to the story. Uh, we were not the right fit. We were called to different things, going different directions. Um, but because I had, this was the problem. Because I had put so much of my hope and my future and started putting my like identity um, and purpose in this relationship working out and going to marriage and starting a family like it was like so much my life was being built on this when we broke up it literally felt like my life was falling apart because it basically was because I was building my life on that instead of building my life on God and I, so I took several months, difficult, painful months of getting over the breakup and healing um, and rebuilding my life on Jesus and realizing that that's what I need to do. That's the, my firm foundation that he will not fail me and so my life won't crumble if I build it on him. And I'm so thankful for all the people that were with me in that time 
that painful, dark time who walked with me, who showed themselves loyal and faithful. I am so incredibly thankful for them and God especially because I had moments with God where in my darkest, lowest moments, it was like the most powerful moments with him because he met me there. And his love goes even deeper than those dark, low moments. But he was there and he walked me through it. And so I was learning how to build my life on God. And fun fact about me, I write things all the time. Like I think I counted, I have almost like 30 something journals in my room from my, like, over my life, because I just literally write, 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 like, maybe some of you have more, I don't know, but, so I write a lot, um, and if I don't have a notebook next to me, I'll just, like, grab my phone and open the notes app uh, and write in that, and so uh, when I was going through this time, like, healing and um, rebuilding my life on God, I wrote this note, and I just wanted to share it with you guys, because it literally is just, like, I just wrote it, and it was on October 14th, 2018. I think we have a picture. If not, it's fine. I can show you. It's right here. Um, October 14th, 2018, at 9 p.m., I wrote, I'm remembering how I said that my desire to be married and have a family is even stronger than my desire to lead worship. Obviously, God would want that then. He's interested and what I'm not willing to surrender. He's been pursuing me about this, and it's surrender time. Dive in, push in, give him your all, get caught up in him. I can see now how I was living in the shallow end of the pool. I was just walking along the shore in knee-deep water, but I was made to swim in that ocean. I realized that I was made for more, and you are made for more too. You are made to go into the deeper places of God's heart. And so I have kind of two takeaways with this sermon. And the first one's a question. And the question is, let me just put it up. Okay. Is God the most important thing to you, or are his blessings the most important? important thing to you and it's one of those questions where it's like you have to sit for a bit and you have to think about it because if you will answer it honestly then it will start you on a journey to wholeness and to live being more alive because you're building your life on Jesus and Jesus is the number one place in your heart and that's when you become the most alive I want, I want people, when they think of me or look at me, like, I literally want the first thought to be, like, she's obsessed with Jesus. Like, she is obsessed with Jesus. And it's not because of hype or, like, man-made emotional stuff. Like, it is literally pure passion and desire for the living God, because he's the one who makes me truly alive. And so I, I get to a point where I have to give him all of me because I want all of him. And so for anyone in here who wants God to be number one in your heart, then I have an action step for you. This is the second takeaway. 
And the action step is surrender. I want to look back at um, the story of Abraham when he surrendered, when he was surrendering Isaac on the altar, what happened? So verse 12 is when the angel of the Lord came and he said, stop, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So maybe it's not that God is wanting you to like completely give up a desire or a passion that he probably put in you. It might not be that he's wanting you to give it up, but he's wanting you to give it to him. He's wanting you to give it to him, to put it in his hands. And I want you guys to pull out the cards that you got when you walked in. And I'm gonna ask you a question and just go ahead and write it down. What is God asking you to give to him? What is God asking you to put in his hands that you've been holding on to? It might be a good thing. It might be a God thing. But you've been holding on to it, trying to take care of it on your own, trying to make it happen your own way. Or maybe it's some, maybe it's some kind of sin or some kind of addiction that you need to give to God to let him take it away. Whatever it is, just write it down on that card. And you can take it home with you so it can remind you what you're surrendering, what you are wanting to lay down to God. When I was... Uh, four years ago when I was going through that breakup, I was having trouble laying down the desire to want to be with someone, to be in a relationship and to start um, a family. And it was hard. And my mom was talking with me and she said, Kelsey, the safest place that that desire can be or that person can be the safest place they can be is in God's hands. Not in, your, not in my own hands, trying to make it happen my own way in my own time. It's actually the safest in God's hands because he's the one who can make it happen in the most perfect way if it's his will. And so when I say surrender, you know, that can be like, I'm like, okay, surrender, surrender to God, guys. And you're like, okay, how? <laughs> How do I surrender my, this desire to God? How do I surrender this relationship to God, my, this dream, this talent, whatever it is? So I want to give you some practical steps of how you can surrender to God. First thing is very simple. Literally get on your knees. I, I can't tell, I don't think I can count the number of times that I have gotten on my knees over and over again in my room Surrendering, crying out, laying down even more to God. Get on your knees if you want to surrender to Jesus. Second thing you can do is ask him to stir a hunger for more of him in your heart. Like just literally just ask him. Like he would gladly like do that request, like give you that request. Ask him to stir a hunger, a more of stronger desire, a fire for more of him, and he will do it. Another thing you can do is, which I think is very important, by the way, so you should do this, connect with people 
who are where you want to be. So look around in your life and see the people who are passionate, who are pursuing God with everything that they have, like so much to where like that's what you wanna do, like you wanna do it with that much um, passion and surrender and connect with them, meet up with them, go out for coffee or smoothies or tea, I don't whatever you drink, with them and connect with them because then, I mean, there's like all the, I think all the leaders here would love to do that. We would love to sit and talk about our journeys with God and things that we've learned and how much we love him and that spurs one another on. Another thing you can do is similar, connect with the people who have the same passion to pursue God. So the people like next to you, your friends, your peers, like meet up with them. Have times where it's like you just talk about all that God's doing in your life and what you're excited about that God's gonna do. Connect with people who have the same passion to seek God. Man, I thought I was gonna go way past, but I'm doing good. Um, I'm gonna start wrapping it up here and just share with you guys, uh, the last couple months, I have been praying really strongly for all of you. Um, all the students and the leaders in Elevate. And I've gotten to uh, a moment a few times where I've ended up on my knees crying because I know how much pain and confusion and hurt and darkness there is in this world and how you guys are every day walking and probably encountering temptations that you have to fight, temptation against depression or lust, all these things. And I know it's hard. And so I cry out to God. I'm like, God, what can I do to help? Like, what can I do to help these teenagers? And then I remember, I can do all that I possibly can. But at the end of the day, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the only one who can turn things around. When we bring Jesus into a situation, we bring life into a situation. So then I start, I start praying, okay, God, give me your heart for them. Give me your, your love. I wanna see them how you see them. I wanna love them how you love them, God. And so then I start feeling God's heart for you guys. And then I start crying out, I'm like, God, if only they could know if only, if only they could know your heart, how much you really care about them, how much you think about them. He thinks about you all the time, all the time. And every single thought is good. Because if you are saved, if you've accepted Jesus as your savior, then when God the Father, when he looks at you, he sees Jesus right next to you with his arm around your shoulder. And he's saying, hey, this one, this son, this daughter, I died for them, and they're clean. They, their righteousness is my righteousness. And I pray that you guys would know, because if you would just know how much he really cares about you, how much he thinks about you, how much he loves you, 
then it would change a lot and it would make you come alive. And so for those of you in this room, I'm gonna go ahead and invite the worship team to come up. For those of you in this room who want Jesus to be the king of your heart and you don't want him to have any challengers. Oh, that's the title of the sermon, by the way. No challengers. You want Jesus to have no challengers in your life. You want him to be number one. You want to build your life fully on God because then you will not be shaken. Then we're literally getting ready to have an opportunity to come up here to the front and do it, make an action step about it. Uh, can I have someone come take this down? This is really heavy. I'm gonna actually lead a song, um, lead us all into worship because I'm super, super passionate about this, this point of surrender. And like, guys, I've never regretted a single time when I have come to God on my knees and surrendered more. No matter how much I cared about that thing, no matter how close it was to my heart, how much like it meant to me, every time that I've come and I've said, God, it's yours. God, I give it to you, I lay it down because I am yours and I want all of you. I have not once, in my 24 years of living, I have not once regretted it. So I want to invite everybody, everyone to go ahead and stand up. And I know not everybody in here is at this place, and that's okay. It really is. We're all on a journey of God calling us closer. But I know there's people in here who want to take a step deeper, who want to come to the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to give you everything. God, and Jesus, I care about this, this thing right here, but I, I want you more. And I know that there's people in here who want to do that. I'm just gonna pray first before I invite you up. Holy Spirit, God, thank you for being here with us. God, we are not alone. We're not alone. You are with us. You are clo you're closer than we know. And God, I know that the best thing that every single person can do in here is to come to you and just surrender everything. Because with you, we get every good thing. God, you give good gifts. But we want you more than all the other gifts put together. God, open our eyes. God, soften our hearts to see who you are, to see your glory, to see your majesty, your holiness, your love. Holy Spirit, you are here in this place.
we invite you to move. Be with us. Call us closer and we'll say yes. Anyone who wants to, anyone who is at a point where you're like, I, ha I need more of God. Like I need more of God. I'm tired of living halfway, of having these things challenge the number one place in my life and come up to the front right now. I've been praying that your guys' generation would be a generation of people that want to please God and not please men. That you would be a generation of God pleasers and not of men pleasers, not of people pleasers. Of God pleasers. Even I, I'm up here because I love you guys and because I wanna see you guys walk fully in your callings, but I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. And God is crazy about you guys. He loves you. Fix your eyes on him. Sometimes you just gotta do things. There's a lot of you up here, but there might be more that want to come up. I just wanna encourage you. There might be times when you have to do something even though you're nervous. Like even though you, though you feel afraid, do it afraid. Just step up because you know you need to, you know you want to. It's like calling you inside your heart. I wouldn't be leading worship or be up here if I didn't start taking steps like you guys right now coming up to an altar call, if I didn't start taking steps even though I was afraid and even though I was nervous of what people might think of me, but I didn't care because that fear was less than my desire for God. I wanted God more than I cared about what other people thought of me. May this be a generation of God pleasers and people that love just like God loves others. And God, we, we come to you right now. We come to surrender all so that we can get all of you. Because you're the one that we want. You're the one that we wanna build our life on. Completely on you, on your love. In you, we come alive. And so we come, God, we surrender. Everything is yours, God. We lay it down. Every burden, every crown, every blessing, anything that we've been white knuckle gripping, we lay it down at the feet of Jesus. And we say, our life is yours, God. Our life is yours, and that's when we fully come alive. In Jesus' name.
Take my life, I lay it down at the cross where I am found. All I have, I give to you, O oh God. Oh, here I stand with arms open wide.
with arms open wide holding nothing back from you Here I stand. Oh, here I stand with arms open wide. I surrender to you, God. Oh, I am yours and you are God, we say that we are yours. And with us comes everything, God, everything else. And really everything we have is because of you anyway. And everything that we have is safer in your hands anyway. Including us, God, we are safer, the most safe. We're in the most safe and exciting and adventurous place that we could ever be when we're in your hands. God, thank you for inviting us and calling us closer into life with you, into an adventure with you, into passion and excitement and fullness and blessings with you. God, you're our number one. We want to want you more. So stir, God, a hunger, a stronger desire, a fire in the hearts of every student and leader here tonight, God, for more of you. We're here for you. We're here for you, God, and we say we're ready for more. We say yes to you, Jesus. Yes to your ways, to your timing. In Jesus' name. Those who want more of Jesus, just give out a really loud shout for him right now. Jesus, we want you. We love you.